Hey guys, it's great to be with you this morning. As you well know, due to COVID-19, the world around us is facing challenges that none of us have ever experienced before. If we look back in our history books, maybe we could look back into 1918, look into the Spanish flu and uh, see some similarities. But in most of our lifetimes, other than SARS or maybe swine flu, we've never experienced anything like this. And as a result, we've never experienced this kind of social distancing before. Guys, this is new and it's moving fast. I heard one friend of mine this past week say that this is moving so fast it feels like we're living in some sort of a movie. But we're not. Guys, the reality is, is that schools are closed, churches aren't meeting, and grocery stores are uh, closing, businesses are closing. It's hard to even get the groceries we need right now, especially toilet paper, right? That's a hot commodity. But guys, on top of this, I know that uh, there's other hardships. I know that uh, people's jobs are being affected. I know that that affects people's income, their ability to provide, and it also raises stress levels and anxiety levels. And so I just want to let you know that I'm mindful of that this morning. Uh, I know some other families that are experiencing hardship with aging and ill family members. They're having a hard time caring for them. One family in our church is trying to plan a funeral right now, and they're unable to even think about how to get uh, less than 10 people uh, at that funeral. So guys, I know that you guys are experiencing hardship. And on top of that, uh, I know that a lot of you guys are experiencing cabin fever, right? Uh, one one uh, family in my community group this past week said, if someone, uh, if a scientist doesn't find a cure for COVID-19 soon, moms are going to, right? I get it. Uh, we are quarantined. Uh, things are look different than they ever have been, ever have before. Um, there's a lot going on. But guys, despite all of this, despite the current hardships that we're facing, I want to remind you that the scripture reassures us that in Christ, Christians have access to a peace that surpasses all understanding. That no matter what's going on in the world around us, in Christ, we have access to this peace. And the Bible says that we're called to share this peace with others. And so this morning, thanks to modern technology, uh, we have the ability to continue to meet online today, and I'm thankful for that. We're going to continue in our series in Matthew. Today we find ourselves uh, in the seventh beatitude where Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, guys, just before we go any farther, I want to clarify that in this passage, Jesus is not telling us how to become sons and daughters of God, but he's telling us that what sons and daughters of God are. He's saying they're peacemakers. So today we're primarily going to be talking about the peace of God manifested in the lives of those who are believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. And we're going to do so both vertically and horizontally. Okay, first, we're going to talk about how our vertical relationship with Christ uh, impacts our personal peace with Christ. And then we're going to talk about how that vertical relationship with Christ impacts the horizontal relationships in our life. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says a lot about peace. There are over 400 direct references to peace in the Bible. And there's a lot of people that think that there's more indirect references than that. And guys, the reason for this is sin. Because of our first parents' sin in the garden, their sin has been imputed to us, and we are born sinners. And because of this sin, guys, we're prone to selfishness, we're prone to disagree, we're prone to experience tension with one another, and we're prone to tear one another down. Guys, and as you know, this often leads to conflict, and it leads to a lack of peace. But in our text today, Jesus calls his people to be peacemakers. In fact, in our text, Jesus has a special mission for his followers. And this mission is to help restore the peace that was lost in the fall. Now, I want to be clear about something. The peace that Christ talks about in this passage, in this beatitude, and the peace of which the rest of Scripture speaks, it's unlike the peace in which the world knows. 
uh, in, in the scripture, God's peace, it doesn't overlook sin for the sake of peace. But biblical peacemaking, it owns and confronts sin and it always seeks reconciliation. Guys, in this kind of peace, if we're honest, it can only be obtained by and delivered by those who have faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those who have a right vertical relationship with Christ. So in light of this, guys, our first observation today is that peace begins with God. Peace begins with God. Guys, God loves peace. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, God communicates both his desire to bless his people with peace and also his desire for his people to communicate his peace to other people. But God's peace does not come automatically. Guys, outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are incapable of experiencing peace with God and we're incapable of experiencing the peace of God. And we know that we're the cause of that. Again, because of our first parent's sin in the garden, that sin was imputed to us, and that sin puts us in opposition to God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus came to establish peace, his death purchased peace, and his resurrection enables peace. This is why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 9-6 that Jesus would be the prince of peace. Guys, the good news of the gospel is that by sacrificing himself in, the pla- in our place on the cross, Jesus made it possible for those of us that believe and trust in him to be justified and to have peace with God. What this means is that the basis of a believer's peace with God is justification by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says it best in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to be crystal clear, guys, prior to our salvation, because we were born in sin, our vertical relationship with God was characterized by opposition. But upon faith and belief in Christ, that vertical relationship with Christ can be made right through Christ. Instead of God being opposed to us, God is now for us. So thankful for that. Guys, through faith in Christ, our vertical, vertical relationship with Christ is made right. And this vertical relationship, it's the foundation and it's the gateway to a personal peace that we can experience with Christ. So our second point today is that peace with God leads to personal peace. Peace with God leads to personal peace. Something I came across this week that I thought may, may help illustrate this is uh, just a reminder that some of the most violent storms in the world take place out in the oceans, right? Uh, if you're a Discovery Channel watcher, you know this. And, and if you watch the Discovery Channel, you'll also know what oceanographers tell us, that no matter how violent those storms are uh, out on the ocean, that if, if the deeper they go down, the deeper they dive, the calmer it gets. In fact, some of these people will say that uh, in the depths of the ocean are some of the most tranquil and serene places that exist in the world. And it doesn't matter what's going on on the surface. I just thought that was a great way to illustrate what peace in Christ can look like for us. Okay, no matter what's going on on the surface, no matter what kind of storms we may experience, the deeper we dive in our devotion, guys, it often leads to a greater peace in our lives. But for many of us, even those that know and understand this, the obvious truth is that this kind of personal peace can be hard to come by. For many of us, even though we have a right vertical relationship with Christ and we've experienced peace with God, there's still obstacles in our life that keep us from experiencing the peace of God. And so we're anxious and we stress. A lot of us are worried about current circumstances. Uh, Maybe some of us are even envious of other people and the way they seem to be handling certain circumstances. Right now is a great example of that with COVID-19. 
Uh, it's got a lot of people uh, worried and anxious about the unknown, right? It's got a lot of us stressed. But guys, the good news is that God promises peace to those who trust him, regardless of circumstances. I want to point you to a passage uh, in scripture that I think helps reaffirm this for us. And on the evening of his betrayal, in John 16, verse 33, Jesus made two promises to his disciples concerning personal peace. I want to read this passage, and I'm going to see if you can catch these two promises. In this passage, Jesus said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Did you catch those promises? The first promise is that we will have tribulation. We will have trouble. And the second promise is this, that he has overcome the world. Guys, this might be a great memory verse uh, to practice in some of this, with some of this extra time that we have on our hands these days. An additional passage of scripture that I think is helpful in understanding personal peace is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. In the first two verses, verses 6 and 7, Paul says this. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, from these two verses, verses 6 and 7, we understand that the antidote to worry is prayer. And there's no prayer too small and there's no prayer too big. Basically, prayer is the key to peace. Guys, we're to pray about everything. Now, some of you guys may be thinking right now that this doesn't work. Maybe you've tried this. Guys, I get it. Sometimes I even feel bipolar with my minute-by-minute flip-flopping back and forth. One minute I have a peace that surpasses all understanding, and the next minute I'm anxious again. Believe me, I get it. So if you're that person that says, hey, this doesn't work, listen to me a little bit more. What I've learned in this is to keep going. Consistent prayer is the key. And by prayer, I mean dependence. Because let's face it, if we're consistently in prayer, it means that we're consistently depending on God. We understand he's, he's in control and we're not. And we can trust him. A couple of steps of examination that you can take just in case you're like me are these. Number one, examine your motive. Remember that peace is a gift from God no matter your circumstances. Some of you right now, you may be praying for deliverance from your circumstances instead of praying for peace. Examine your motive. Instead of asking for deliverance, you might try asking God to grow you in your circumstances and you might trust him for the peace that he's already promised you. Number two, you might examine your devotion to God. I want you to remember, it takes just as much time to, to worry as it does to pray, as it does to spend time in God's word, as it does to reflect upon God's word. So I want to encourage you to lean into your devotion to God. Later in Matthew, we're going to read where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, go to Netflix. With this extra time that you have on your hands, you might examine your devotion to God. This past week, just to share a personal story with you, uh, every morning I generally wake up, uh, have some coffee, have some prayer time, I spend time in God's word, and then I reflect by journaling through God's word. I'm one that retains what I write. And so that journaling time is very important for me. But one morning this past week, I woke up and I was just checking boxes. I had some coffee, I had some prayer, I read my scripture, but then I moved on and I read the news. And you know what happened with my heart? I was filled with anxiety. I was filled with fear, right? I had to practice what I call a redo. I had to just stop and and redo my morning. I went back to prayer, went back to God's word, and I took the time to actually reflect upon God's word through journaling. Now, the point of me telling you this is not to say, hey, if you don't have a good quiet time, you're not going to have a good day. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
I'm just saying, again, back to our storm story, the deeper we dive into God's word, the more peace we're likely to experience, and that is definitely true for me. Okay? So examine your devotion to God. Now, if you continue to read in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 13, you'll find another great list to ex- examine your life against. In this passage, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Then he says in verse 9, What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What an amazing passage to examine our lives up against right now. Two quick questions for you to consider. Number one, what is excellent and what is worthy of praise that you're thinking about most these days? What is excellent? What's worthy of praise? What are you dwelling upon these days? And question number two, who are you learning from? Are you learning from God's word? Or are you learning from the world? And what are you practicing? Guys, no matter if things are going well or no matter if things are challenging right now, we need to consistently practice what we learn from God's word. James tells us that we need to be James tells us that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. Guys, to be doers of the word means that we practice God's word. Now just a recap of our first two points. Peace begins with God and peace with God leads to personal peace. Guys, it's only when we've experienced this vertically that we're able to horizontally pursue peace with others. And so our third point today is that peace with God leads to the pursuit of peace with others. Peace with God leads to the pursuit of peace with others. Paul says in Romans 12 verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Guys, understanding how kindly God treats us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, it should fuel us. It should fuel us to seek peace with others. Understand it may not always be possible, But for believers, we should do all that we can. I want you to think about the relationships in your life. I want you to think about your marriage, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, your church fellowship, uh, maybe your community group. Guys, if possible, and despite conflicts, so far as it depends on you, you're to live at peace with everyone. Guys, this is the role of a peacemaker. Now, just to be clear, a lot of people think that the greatest barrier to peace is conflict. Guess what? It's not. Conflict is actually a wonderful opportunity for growth. The greatest barrier to peace is sin, regardless of what the circumstances might be. Guys, where there's a lack of peace, it's because of sin. Sin separates men from God, and it causes enmity with others, period. So in light of this, I want to share just a few steps that can help us practice biblical peacemaking. Number one, since the greatest barrier to peace is sin, the first step towards biblical peacemaking is to own your own sin. Own your own sin. Guys, in relationships, it's always tempting to point out others' sin before we consider our own, right? But being a peacemaker means that we actually do the opposite. We own our sin first. A passage we'll get to in the weeks to come is Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. In this passage, Jesus says, Why do you see, see the speck that's in your brother's eye but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. As in this passage, Jesus uses an exaggeration to make a point. The man with the log sticking out of his eye, he clearly needs to take that log or sin out of his eye before he ever considers pointing out the sin in someone else's life. Right? In our re-engaged marriage, marriage ministry, we call this staying in your circle. 
And we often use a hula hoop to illustrate this. We bring out a hula hoop and we say, hey, picture yourself standing inside this circle. Before you're ever tempted to point to somebody else's sin outside of your own circle, point that finger back to yourself and remind yourself that you're the only person you can control inside that circle. And then look up and remind yourself of how your vertical relationship with Jesus Christ impacts the horizontal relationships in your life before you ever stick that finger across the lines of that circle again. Guys, our vertical relationship impacts our horizontal relationships. Ken Sandy, he's an author who wrote a book called The Peacemaker, a biblical guide to resolving personal conflict. Uh, This book is one that we referenced a lot back a couple of years ago when we preached through a conflict resolution series, something I highly recommend for you. It's going to be included in the resources we provide for you after this message. Sandy says, if you're only 2% responsible for the conflict, you're 100% responsible for that 2%. Guys, I'd like to share another quick story with you. Uh, In the midst of all this coronavirus uh, and all the unknowns, Uh, My schedule, as I'm sure yours has, has been impacted. Uh, My wife's has as well. Our family's just completely out of routine and out of schedule. And just so you know, our family thrives on uh, scheduling, thrives on routine and structure. And so we've just, uh, all all that's gone out the window and it's created some conflict, especially between Elizabeth and I. This past week, I'd love to tell you that we had a cordial disagreement, uh, that we had a minor argument, but we didn't, guys. We had a fight. It's been a while since we've had a fight like this. Thankfully, it didn't go too far, and there wasn't too much damage done, and it was resolved quickly, but we did. Uh, we had a good powwow. And, and the reason I tell you that is because maybe you've experienced some of the same. Maybe there's a lot out of control in your life right now. Uh, maybe that's created some conflict in your home during this time of quarantine. Remember I said conflict's an opportunity for growth. Maybe you've had plenty of opportunity for growth, if you know what I mean. I know our family certainly has. And the reason I tell you that is because none of us are immune. Right? All of us that are believing and trusting in Jesus Christ are called to be peacemakers. And this past week, I had the opportunity to practice what I'm preaching to you this morning. So hopefully you're encouraged by that. And maybe uh, it'll be a blessing to you this week. Guys, the second step to peacemaking is to passionately pursue peace. Passionately pr- pursue peace. Romans 14, 19 says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Guys, once again, I want you to think about your marriage, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, your church fellowship, your community group. Guys, not only is it your job to live at peace with them, but being a biblical peacemaker means it's your job to passionately pursue peace with them. Guys, I want you to know this is the opposite of passivity. Jesus laid down his life to make peace between God and sinners. And when we carry that message out into the world, when we carry that same message of peace to others, guys, we put the gospel of Jesus Christ on display. And regardless of the outcome, Jesus says that we're blessed if we do. Guys, something I want to make clear. I said this earlier, but being passionately pursuing peace, it doesn't mean that we pursue peace at the expense of truth. Okay? God's peace doesn't overlook sin for the sake of peace. And so the third step in biblical peacemaking often includes gentle admonishment. Often includes gentle admonishment. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Okay, I'm going to pause right there and just say as a reminder, for those of you that might not like this idea, I want to remind you that the greatest barrier to peace is not conflict. We covered that. The greatest barrier to peace is sin. And so sin that isn't dealt with is sin that will disrupt and destroy peace. Okay? So although gentle admonishment may sometimes include conflict, gentle admonishment is a critical role in biblical peacemaking. 
Because if we're unable to help others confront their sin, we'll be unable to help them find peace. As an example of what this looks like, I want you to quickly think of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. Okay? In this story, we see the ultimate model of what it looks like to lovingly confront someone. Jesus showed compassion and he showed care, but he didn't pass over this woman's sin for the sake of peace. If you're familiar with this story, you know that Jesus treated this woman well. He gently admonished her by saying, you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And secondly, Jesus corrected her about false worship, and he pointed her to believe and trust in him. Guys, in our community group training here at Crosspoint, we call this using the velvet brick. Okay? We balance grace and truth together, and we deliver it in a gentle way. And guys, what this does not mean is that we walk around all the time looking to correct other people's sin. That's not what this means. We need to practice wisdom in this because we've all been around that self-righteous person that feels like, uh, that hasn't removed that log out of their eye like we talked about a little while ago that's always trying to correct other sin. We've all, we, see, we know who that person is and we don't want to be that way. It takes wisdom to practice this well. But it doesn't mean that we walk around just looking for someone to correct. And it doesn't mean that we don't ever overlook an offense uh, Proverbs 19.11 says it's a, it's a glory to God to overlook a minor offense. What this does look like is maybe a man putting his hand on another man's shoulder and encouraging him to maybe course correct if he's seen something that's out of line with God's word in his life. Or maybe one woman putting her hand on another woman's shoulder and encouraging her, offering her a different path, a different way of thinking that's in line with God's word. Guys, I want you to know this happens all the time in our church and it's really not that big of a deal. And I think that's really a testimony of what God's done in the life of Crosspoint and the culture of our church where this is expected, accountability and admonishment. happens all the time. And praise God, because you know what? It's biblical and it's discipleship. A lot of you guys are familiar with the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, later in that passage, he says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Because that means that as, as believers in Christ, we're to practice that one another of teaching one another to obey all that he's commanded. And so... We are in the church to put that hand on a brother's shoulder, to put that hand on a sister's shoulder, to offer another way that's in line with God's word. It's biblical and it's discipleship. A lot of times, not that big a deal. But let's be honest, sometimes it is a big deal. Sometimes it gets messy. One author I read this week says it this way. Peacemaking is messy and wrenching work. It takes time and a lot of emotional energy. It's like crossing a fast-moving creek on slippery rocks. The journey's needed, the work is risky, and sometimes you fall, you get bruised, and sometimes you don't make it across the stream. I love the way this author puts it because sometimes it's just flat out hard to be a peacemaker. So why do we do it? Why do we passionately pursue peace with others? Reconciliation. As reconciliation is always the goal of biblical peacemaking. It's been said that reconciliation is one of the most comforting words in the English language. I want you to think about why that may be, right? Because it, doesn't your heart get stirred when you see a story of reconciliation? When you see peacemaking happen? As I know mine does. And the reason for that is because the gospel's at the heart of it. Through the death of his son, God passionately pursued peace in order to reconcile us with God the Father. It's a picture of the gospel. Because the reality is we live in a broken and sinful world and peace and peacemaking, it may not always be possible. If it's not, I've listed some books on our resources page. One of those books may be for you. What do you do when peacemaking doesn't seem to be possible? As the reality is, is we live in a broken and sinful world. And peacemaking may not always be possible. If you find yourself in this boat, there's a book that I've listed on our resource page that may be helpful to you. 
But regardless of the circumstance, it's our job as believers in Jesus Christ to passionately pursue peace with others, no matter the outcome. Because when we do, we're offering a picture of what Jesus did with us. We're offering a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus says the peacemakers are the ones that are called the sons of God. This is what it looks like to be a Christ follower, to pursue peace with everyone. Jesus said, blessed are you when you pursue peace because you are truly one of God's children. And so let us be peacemakers. Let's pursue peace because Jesus said that's what his followers do. Guys, I hope this message is a blessing to you, your family, your community group, and that you have discussions this week that are fruitful as it relates to peacemaking. What I want to do is close this in prayer, and then I want to walk you through how you might partake in the Lord's Supper together at home, either as a family or as a community group. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your truth. I pray, pray, thank you for your truth in this message. God, I pray that you would help us uh, to be reminded of this truth throughout the week in these confusing times that we live in. God, when there's uh, so much anxiety, so much stress, uh, so many unknowns, that, God, that you would call us back to your truth and your peace, the peace that we have access to, God, which surpasses all understanding. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, if you're home together as a family, maybe you're meeting with your community group online uh, via Zoom this afternoon, uh, it's, it's possible that you might want to partake in the Lord's Supper together. And so uh, I, might, I just want to walk you through how, what that could look like. Um, as you know, we partake in the Lord's Supper every Sunday at Cross Point. We pass the elements, a piece of tortilla and some juice. I want you to know there's nothing magical about those elements that we pass. Uh, so if you're at home and you have something similar, feel free to use that. Feel free to gather as a family. Maybe read through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17, I believe, and, and just read through the instructions on, on how to partake, uh, to, to reflect upon what Christ has done, to examine your own life and to look in anticipation for his return. And then break bread together and pray. And, and thank God for the weekly reminder that you have uh, through your church fellowship and, and the daily access that you have through his word and through his community. And even in this times where we can't meet through community via technology. I pray that this is a blessing to you this week. Guys, we're so glad that you were able to join us online today. If you're not a member of Crosspoint, if you're joining us as a guest or visitor this morning, uh, wherever you are, uh, but you would like to further connect with Crosspoint Community Church, uh, we've made available a connection card, a digital connection card online on our website. Uh, we would like to invite you to go and fill that out so that uh, myself or one of our staff uh, can follow up with you and help you get connected. If you've been coming to Crosspoint for a while but you're not yet a member and you're not yet in a community group and you're feeling pretty isolated right now, we want to help you get connected in this time. So please reach out to me. Again, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, you can easily find my information on our website. Uh, reach out to me. I want to help you get connected to an existing community group so that you're not out there in isolation right now during this time and so that you can begin to establish some biblical community. Also on our website is a COVID-19 page that we'd like to point you to. On that page are opportunities for you to connect with us. If maybe you were homebound and you're in need of food or medicine or uh, supplies, uh, maybe your job situation has changed and you're in need of financial assistance and you're a member of this body, guys, we want to come alongside you in this. Uh, or as a, a lot of you have already done, there's a tab there to let us know how you're willing to serve, uh, to serve others in this body and community. And guys, I also want to remind you that our online giving portal is open. Uh, so for those of you that normally gather with us on Sunday mornings and you worship through giving, uh, please continue to do that. That online portal is a great tool that you can use. Thank you, thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for joining us online this morning.